this is working out pretty well, I think. We're now up to episode five already. Episode five, I can hardly believe it. And um, this is uh, this is a, a fun thing. I'm, I'm going to be driving today, driving around. Um, you'll find, you know, for those of you who may have listened to previous shows of mine in the past, Radio Free Shambles, Shambles Show, um, Eclectic Symmetry, you know, stuff like that, um, you'll find that I usually just kind of record, you know, at just random spots in the day whenever I, I have time to do so, and you might hear me on a walk, you might hear me just at home hanging out, um, a lot of times you will hear me driving around and talking, and that's what we're going to be doing today, so, um, you're listening to Somewhere in the Hooniverse, I'm Shambles Constant, thank you so much for joining me, um, yeah, and if, I don't know if you've wondered if I'm going to resume Radio Free Shambles, or if anybody's thought about it, but no current plans, if I, if the whim, you know, takes me and I feel like, hey, this this would be a good idea, then maybe I will. Um, right now, this is working out pretty well for me, I think. And you know, um, you know, I feel like as far as like my personal life and my own stories and stuff, like I've 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 pretty much told <laughs> I, I I've pretty much told the the stories from the past of mine that I have, and uh, you know, as far as current stuff, I, I don't know. I, I'm not really feeling like going into all that at the moment, but um, I'm really enjoying doing this uh, Doctor Who rewatch marathon extravaganza, uh, so, and and knowing what I'm going to be talking about each episode, you know, knowing it's going to be the next story, or there might be a special episode here and there. The Doctor Who 60th anniversary is coming up in November, and uh, yeah, I'm pretty damn sure I'm going to be doing some kind of special episode for that. Um, might actually talk about some of the other doctors, <laughs> you know, because um, right now we're um, we're we're into the the William Hartnell era and uh, moving through, you know, um, the back half of the first season of Doctor Who, and so. But there, there's a lot more involved in the the series and the franchise and all this kind of stuff. I, I, I know I've taken tangents here and there on this show, like I've been like, oh yeah, let's talk about Big Finish for a minute, or I need to tell you about the missing episodes before we review a missing episode, you know, it's that, that sort of thing, but that's okay. Um, so anyway, today we're discussing The Keys of Marinus. It's a six-parter written by our good friend Terry Nation, um, his second script for the series, and one of only two that he wrote that do not involve Daleks in any way. Um, you know, otherwise, like, everything he wrote for the show was, was a Dalek story. And he wrote a lot of Dalek stories, actually. Um, and uh, you'll find that he has... He's the kind of writer that has definite tropes that even if you are not sure who wrote it, you might be able to pick it out, you know... Um, There'll be uh, a lot of times there'll be a character with a name like Terry or Terran or something similar to that, or you'll there'll be a reference to Terranium, you know, something that sounds like his name. Um, there's other things like planets that sound like what they are, like you know, like 
Iridius and Marinus and all this kind of stuff. So anyway, uh, I'll be right back. Some ice before you go on break, please. Thank you. <laughs> Got some McDonald's because I need breakfast. And uh, so you never know what you're going to hear when you tune in to somewhere in the Hooniverse. Okay, so since today I'll be driving, um, I'll just be talking right off the cuff here. Uh, I, I don't, I don't uh, have any notes. Actually, I have yet to use notes for this, except for like, uh, you know, the last episode we're talking about Marco Polo. Um, I uh, looked up some stuff online a few times to refresh my memory, and uh, you know, what was I going to talk about? Because that one I wanted to give it kind of a special treatment. Um, Keys of Baroness is kind of a crazy story. <laughs> so, talking off the cuff is kind of fitting for it. <laughs> um, kind of a different vibe there. Um, we're going to be a little more spontaneous with this. And uh, if I forget things, <laughs> I'm not as concerned with it as usual. But we open with the TARDIS materializing um, on an island of some sort and there's no there's no TARDIS noise it just appears that's that's interesting I don't know I don't know why like I, maybe they hadn't decided to to make that the definitive noise every time but it just it just appears like nothing you know um even like the trial the travel dials that they use later have a have a, a sound effect but the TARDIS does not in this story Anyway, so they get out and they're they're wandering around, the doctor and Ian and Barbara and Susan. And um, one thing I noticed fairly quickly is that Susan is now calling them the school teachers by their first names. Um, the first few stories she was saying, you know, Mr. Chesterton and Miss Wright, but now she's she's saying Ian and Barbara because they're they're they have a more familiar relationship at this point because they've been through some some crazy ass adventures. And so, um, anyway, so, so they're, they're wandering around and, um, Susan thinks that she's going to maybe, uh, you know, take a little dip in the pool and, uh, or not the pool, <laughs> what the hell? um, in the, you know, in the, in the water, um, the ocean that surrounds this island. Um, she thinks, you know, that's, that's no problem. That'll be a, that'll be a great idea. But then one of her shoes, when she takes her shoes off, one of her shoes falls into the water and uh, dissolves. And, and you find that the, the sea is acid. Um, it's an acid sea. And uh, she almost got into that water. So she would have, like, you know, melted in the acid as well if, uh, if that hadn't happened. So that was a close one. They're like, 
oh well damn all right cool glad you're okay and um so she's gonna have to go back to get to the tardis to get um another uh some more footwear and um the doctor kind of chastises ian because ian ian is uh still wearing his uh his uh costume from marco polo i thought that was a nice touch like uh you know, Barbara and Susan changed into, like, more r- regular clothes for them, but Ian keeps his uh, Marco Polo outfit for the, for the duration of the story, which is kind of a nice touch. I think that's something I would do. I'd be like, you know, I like these clothes. Why do I need to change into, like, a, you know, suit and tie at this point? And the doctor's in his own um, clothes that he always wears anyway, so that doesn't make any difference, but... Um, but so Ian is also barefoot and, uh, the doctor kind of chastises him because he's like, and, and it, it leads to a, a, a line flub where he says, you know, yeah, if you had had your shoes, you could have lent her hers. <laughs> and, uh, he's got a couple other flubs in this episode. He says, uh, something like, uh, something like, um, it's, you know, that couldn't happen in this temperature, and besides, it's too warm, <laughs> which, you know, like, that's a redundant statement, um, Department of Redundancy Department, and um, so, but that's kind of how, I mean, the, you know, each episode was recorded in one day, like one single day, so they didn't get a lot of time, you know, time for retakes, so they had to, in, the, in those days, that's what they had to do, and uh it would wear them out, and, oh, you know, because especially, you know, there's a lot of running involved in this show, so, but, uh, they find out that, that wherever it is that they are, this, you know, the, the, the sea is acid, and the sand is actually glass, and we find out later there are glass factories in the desert, which is just freaking weird to think about, um, so, but there's this huge building that, uh, things have changed since the Daleks, because in the Daleks, the Doctor was the only one that wanted to explore, you know, beyond just looking, giving a cursory look around. Um, you know, this one, everybody else is like, yeah, let's go check out the building. Let's go see what's, uh, you know, what, what's in there. So, uh, you know, the travelers are, are wandering around and, um... You know, uh, I think it's Barbara gets separated from the rest. There's always something like that. Like, one person gets separated from the others. Pretty soon, they're each one is separate from all three of the others, and they're they're looking around in this building, and um, there's like these dudes in like wetsuits walking around, um, and then there's like um, this other guy in like a weird Halloween outfit, like a um, the doctor refers to him as being in a monk's habit. It's kind of like that. Um, with the, you know, with the hood down to look as ominous as he possibly can, even though it makes no sense as to why he'd just be wandering around like that. Um, these wetsuit dudes turn out to be aliens called the Vord, or the Vords. Uh, I think it's said both ways, like the plural is with and without the S, <laughs> depending on who's saying it. But, um, so, you know, so the Vord are obviously up to no good, but we're not really sure what, what the hell is going on with them just yet. We don't know what their, what their story is, but as one of them was about to, um, uh, to, uh, abduct Susan, um, he falls into this, uh, revolving like trap door behind him 
and uh, ends up on the other side of the wall. There's a lot of those in this in this building too, like those you know those those trap doors that you you back into and then you end up in the you know in the room on the other side of the wall instead. <laughs> so um, you know, and then eventually uh, the the dude, the Halloween costume dude, um, ends up um, tracking everybody down. And he gets the four of them um, together to uh, tell them about this quest that he needs them to fulfill. <laughs> it's like, like you know, you just randomly like this guy's freaking people out, and all of a sudden he's like, "Hey, I need a guy. I need to send you guys to, uh, you know, do some errands. Um, if if you wouldn't mind, uh, you know, don't worry, uh, it'll be fine." So they're they're there are these uh, micro keys they call them and um, the meaning that they're keys to um, a computer um, and and there there's there's been a long period of um, no evil <laughs> like they they like basically vanquished evil for like 700 years and then this one dude named Yartek who's a Vord um, figured out how to how to do evil again um, we gonna get evil going, um, and the computer kind of runs everything, the the conscience of Marinus, um, you know, like let your conscience be your guide. I guess I guess they took that a little too literally, and um, so <laughs> so these micro keys that to the the conscience, um, it, it's sort of convoluted the way that the guy actually. You know this guy whose name is Arbitan. Um, pretty much everything he says is convoluted. I, I'm, I'm pretty sure they didn't allow the actor any any retakes, um, and he definitely needed them because he the things he says make no sense whatsoever. Um, he is, uh, you know, it's just kind of a back and forth. He says that he can't leave the um, the this building, but. It's not clear as to why he can't leave, um, but he says, "Look, what, what we're, what's going to happen is I'm going to give you guys these travel dials, which will send you to different locations where I've put the uh, the the other. There are five micro circuits that go with this with the conscience, and I I still have one of them. The other four are hidden in various places around the planet. Um, Marinus is the name of the planet, and uh, I need you guys to go." <laughs> And, and get them. Like, the travel dials are programmed so that each, you know, each time you, you turn the dial, it'll go to the next location until you get, you know, to vaguely where the micro keys are. And so the doctor and the, the companions are like, um, yeah, we're, I, I really wish we could help you out, but we're, we're not going to. So, um, we're going to get going. And then, um, Arbitan puts a force field around the TARDIS so they can't leave. This is this again. We're in that early Hartnell era where um, there had to be a reason um, why they couldn't just leave. Like the, it, it couldn't be an altruistic thing. Like they're, you know, they're eager to help out. Like um, you know, or vanquish the villain or do whatever. Um, there's got to be some reason why they're they're uh, they're kept behind and they're not able to. Um, to escape in the TARDIS until they've completed the mission or they've, you know, gotten away, whatever it, whatever it might be, you know. So that's, that's the gimmick for this story. 
and they're like, all right, fine. What do we need to do? Tell us again. <laughs> and he kind of goes through the thing a little bit and, um, they're like, all right, fine. So we'll, we'll head on. And he's like, he's like, I'm going to release the force field as soon as you leave. So when you get back, you'll be able to take the TARDIS with you and go away. Um, which is a good thing that he does that because like about 10 seconds after the doctor and, um, the rest of them leave, um, Yartek or one of the other Fords uh, shows up with a knife and just kills Arbitan. Like, just wipes him out. <laughs> like stabs him. And it's like, what in the hell? Uh, and there's no reason for that either. I mean, there's no reason for them to just to just vanquish Arbitan like that. It doesn't make any sense, but it's it's whatever. So, But anyway, that's basically... Um, oh, and uh, Barbara went first. Um, she, you know, she used her travel dial first and then the rest followed. And then you find out that the, like these travel dials take you through space, but not time. But it, in the like 20 seconds that, uh, lead time that Barbara had, um, she's already met the people that, that, uh, inhabit the new, the new area of Marinus that they, that she's just gotten to. Um, it's a very, you know, opulent um, room like a almost like a palace kind of a thing it's supposed to be and uh, there are these servants and they're gonna give her everything she wants and she's wearing this really fancy um, you know beautiful dress and all this in like a 20 second span of time <laughs> so this doesn't make sense this doesn't make sense I I like I really like this story but a lot of it doesn't make any sense whatsoever and it's one of those where you just gotta roll with it and have fun with it so, anyway, I will be back. Alright, I had to go into Jewel Osco grocery store to pick up a couple of things. And people are, like, right on me. It's like, back up a little bit. Jesus, what are you guys... What in the hell, you know? Give me a little space, you know? Have we learned nothing from COVID? <laughs> There's no... I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> it doesn't matter. So now I need to go make another stop somewhere. So we'll discuss episode two, The Velvet Web. The first one was called The Sea of Death. This one is The Velvet Web. You know, we've all we've got all these uh, fancy schmancy sounded names that really don't mean anything for the individual episode titles. So, okay, so Barbara's in the uh, opulent area, which we find out is called Morphoton or something like that. And, uh, you know, the doctor, Ian, and Susan join her, and they're, they're finding out from these two um, servants that are there. Um, a man and a woman named Altos and Sabitha. And uh, they find out from, the, from, from them that... Uh, you know that it's called Morphoton, and uh, they can give them anything that they desire. You know, anything that they want, just ask for it, and they can get it. Uh, which you know, it's like, why would you do that? But you know, everybody kind of accepts it, except for Ian. And Ian's like, uh, you know, they're like, it doesn't sound great. You know, even the doctor's into it. He's like, he's like, oh, I would love my own laboratory with like state of the art. You know, which you're like, what? What is state of the art to a man with a dimensionally transcendental space-time machine? <laughs> Can they really provide 
anything for you? I mean, are they going to... So, But he's excited about it. And, um, you know, we... and. We don't really know what Barbara wants, but Susan wants a, a, a fancy new dress, and they're like, "Well, we'll go, we'll go make it, and we'll be right back." <laughs> Basically, um, but they're like, "Ian, isn't this great?" And Ian's like, "I'm waiting for to find out the price. Like, what what is the." You know what is this going to cost us? Like, there, there's no free lunch, basically, is what he's saying. And everybody's like, "Oh, fucking mellow out, Ian. It's fine. It's, it's just fine." You know. So they're like, "All right." Well, all of a sudden, it's like everybody's tired. It's like we're all tired. Susan's like sacked out. <laughs> it's like, "All right." Well, we're all going to lay down. You know, in these little uh, separate cots, like, uh, you know. Um, with all our clothes on and, you know, um, on our backs, basically, <laughs> you know, like the doctor's like in his full suit, you know, sleeping, <laughs> that kind of thing. And, um, so right after they fall asleep, Sabitha comes around and puts these discs on each person's forehead. Um, and they really need a better adhesive for these discs because Barbara's falls off right away. Um, but, the idea of these discs is, as we soon find out, is that uh, they, I think they act as sort of like a, a form of hypnosis um, to make everybody, uh, you know, um, make everybody more, more, uh, uh, what am I, what am I, what's the word I'm trying to say? I don't know. Um, make everybody more amenable to doing what they say and uh, by making them see what they want to see. So, then, you know, when everybody wakes up, uh, the doctor, Ian and Susan are, are like, wow, this place is great. Like, Ian, even Ian at this point is like, man, this is, this is pretty sweet. And Barbara, since her disc fell off, she is now immune to uh, the, the hypnosis effect. And she looks around, and where everybody else sees, like, opulence and sees, like, this really elegant, um, she sees just, like, you know, the dress that they bring out for Susan is just rags and everything is just but but the production isn't really that good about depicting you know what everybody else is seeing compared to what she's seeing so it's you kind of have to go by dialogue a little bit to to really get the gist on that but it's still it's a really it's a really cool concept that I think the production kind of uh lets down a little bit. So I don't really put that on Terry Nation. I think it was a good... He's got a lot of great concepts in his stories, but they don't always pan out so well. <laughs> you know? This is the kind of thing that the, the modern series could probably play up really well, um, but uh, we don't really get that, uh, that option here. But... So Barbara's like, how can I make you guys see what I'm seeing? And they're like, you're freaking crazy, Barbara, you know? What what in the hell? And uh, so eventually it gets to the point where, you know, she's able to convince them, look, this is, what, this is what's going on. These people are... And we see, um, like, in, in another room, we see these, like, brains in jars with like eyes on stalks there's like four of them in jars they're just uh um sitting on these tables hanging out and they're you know they're telling altus what to do and you know there's uh all this stuff and um so they're they're ready to like uh it, you know to turn 
uh, the, the travelers into their servants, um, make them do whatever they want them to do. And uh, since Sabitha screwed up and, um, you know, the disc fell off of Barbara's forehead, um, they're going to kill Sabitha and uh, Barbara as well. So the, the travelers get wind of this and then they're like, oh boy, <laughs> you know, that is not going to work so well for us. Okay. If it's all the same to you, we'd rather, you know, Barbara not get killed. Thanks. So <laughs> it, it ends up with this sequence where Barbara finds the morpho brains and just smashes the shit out of them. <laughs> it's like this, like, like she's like this action hero all of a sudden. Like that's something you expect maybe Ian to do, but Barbara just way like it, it seems like it would have been a lot easier to to uh, to take care of that, you know, than just like with all the violence, <laughs> you know. So they're they're wiped out, and then Altos and Sabitha are. Um, removed from the, uh, the, uh, oh, the, the, why don't I, I'm having trouble thinking of a word I'm trying to think of. Um, you know, they're no longer under mind control by, by these morpho brains, um, the morpho brain, and it's like this, it's kind of this ugly little sequence where they're like, ah! you know, <laughs> and so, and then they, they find the micro key, like, it's it's way too easy to find these damn micro keys. I mean, they're not they're not small. Actually, they're bigger than the usual standard like house key. But since it's a, to a computer, they're called micro keys. But still, you would think it would be more difficult to find these damn things. But they, you know, but they find it, and uh, you know, they're they're uh, they're gonna they're gonna head on from there. But then they decide the doctor decides what we need to do. Since Altus and Sabitha were on this mission, because Sabitha is uh, Arbitan's daughter, um, but they were on this mission to get the micro keys. They're like everybody that Arbitan sent to get micro keys, just like wouldn't come, just like never came back. And then so he's like, "Well, let's send more people." And eventually he's like, "Oh yeah, let's send. Uh, <laughs> well, I'll send my daughter. I'm sure this will be fine. You know, I'm sure this will be okay. She'll she'll find the micro keys. She's very." Um, resourceful, <laughs> which reminds me of a bit in the first episode I forgot about, where uh, you know Barbara gets captured by the 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 Vord, but like you know Ian got captured first, and um, the doctor's like you know finds Barbara after she gets away, and he's like he's like well that young school teacher friend of yours is very resourceful. I'm sure that uh, you know the. Uh, you know, we've gotten captured again because they get captured like a few times in the episode. But like, he's like, I'm I'm sure that if he's free, then we'll we'll be rescued soon. And she's like, Yeah, about that. <laughs> yeah, uh, Ian got captured before I did. <laughs> like for some reason, all of a sudden, the doctor thinks that Ian is like, you know, um, this resourceful like superhero, and he just keeps screwing up. But the doctor's not seeing it. So like it's like this reverse from how it originally was for them. But, so the doctor says, okay, look, it, you know, um, we need to find this other guy that was helping Altos and that disappeared. Um, what we should do is you guys go, go to the next location with the travel dials and I'll go to the, the next location after that. 
okay so that's what that's what we're gonna do so that, that'll save us a little bit of time I'll look around um, you guys meet me up uh, in five days and Ian's like how about seven days give us a little more of a <laughs> buffer it's like well, fine whatever seven day five I give a shit you know so <laughs> so the the practical real-life reason for this was because William Hartnell had two weeks of vacation um, scheduled and uh, so you know so they had to write him out of episodes three and four of this story so they're like we'll send you to the next location you know and Susan's like it's like grandfather can I go too and he's like ah nah <laughs> where it would have made it, it probably would have made more sense because he doesn't have a real reason for you know for Susan not to be sent with him except for like nah you should stay with everybody else like he doesn't really, really have a a good solid reason for that and you know the i mean in reality the thing is that uh, uh william hartnell has a vacation planned and carol ann ford does not so she's stuck trials like so it's now it's like susan ian barbara altos and uh, sabitha are all uh together traveling you know together so and uh i'm looking for a location that i cannot find so i'm gonna have to stop recording for now so i'll be back i'm in the panera drive-thru getting a gift card for my wife for her birthday her birthday was uh was actually friday but there was a lot going on and, and she was going out of town and all this so we're, we're celebrating it today with with my mom so anyway that's what's happening now happening now <laughs> I can't remember a lot of what happens in episode three. <laughs> so I'm sitting here kind of racking my brain. I might have to look it up after all. I don't know. But uh, the episode three is called The Screaming Jungle. And it starts off with the screaming Susan, if I remember right. <laughs> she has to scream a lot. We're getting into that. They're like, uh, when in doubt, make Susan scream. Okay, I guess I'll just take a minute to get it going. Get the gift card charged up or whatever they gotta do. <sighs> it's hot. It's hot again today. It, it was really hot two weeks ago, and then last week it was it cooled off some. No. Yes. I don't have very much. This is the only one that's like kind of summery. Oh, that's fine. That's fine. Whatever. Yeah. No preference. You said twenty. Yes, please. Okay. Have a great day. Thanks, you too.
Alright, that was exciting. Okay, I find I don't have as much to say about that third episode, even after I've looked up some stuff about it, you know, the screaming jungle. Um, because most of it is just the, the travelers going through this jungle and uh, there are these weird noises that, it, that they hear and they're just trying to avoid various traps in the jungle and they find a, a, a key that turns out to be fake um, so then they have to, to look for the, the real key like they're gonna find the actual the actual key and uh, so I, I forget how they found out that it was fake <laughs> but you would think they would have just like you know okay this looks good um, but they, they find out it's fake. Uh, but they're roaming around, and there's a, a nice little scene between Susan and Barbara near the beginning of the episode, and it, it's kind of kind of shows they're they're developing kind of a mother daughter type uh, relationship. Like Barbara is a kind of a mother figure for for Susan, and that's that's pretty nice, you know. Um, Altos and Sabitha move on to the next location. <laughs> There's a lot of that going on in the story. It's like, why don't you go ahead and we'll just catch up. Um, I'm sure we'll be able to meet up with you. It's not a problem. Um, it's not entirely clear how far away these locations are from one another, but they're apparently just spread out uh, across the planet of Marinus, and there are all these different climates and stuff, which is not unbelievable if it's a if it's an earth type planet you know um so then uh, ian and barbara um find um this old man's cottage and uh ian and go ian goes in and he's talking to him um and this this old man is played by this uh actor named edmund warwick who uh also appears later um, like in season two, he plays this very unconvincing robot duplicate doctor that the Daleks build. Um, <laughs> I, I don't even know how to how to explain that right now, so I'm not going to bother to. But uh, that character is unconvincing, not because of the portrayal so much. It's just again, it's down to the production of, of the story, The Chase, where it's like, uh, what in the hell? Why are we supposed to think that that's actually William Hartnell when it's obviously this other guy? But he 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 gives a really good performance in this story as compared to uh, the rest of the supporting characters in this. Like, Altos and Sab Sabitha act pretty similar to the way that they act when they're um, hypnotized. <laughs> there's not, you know, when there's not that much of a of a difference in um, the way that they they talk and act. There's a little bit, but it's not that much, you know. Um, more for Sabitha, because her hypnotized self is, uh, you know, very subdued, and uh, you know, there's there's she's got this whole other. But Altos pretty much talks the same, <laughs> you know. But um, you know, this this old man, <laughs> he played. One he played knickknack on my anyway, um, but uh, this old man he he goes into all this stuff where he's like uh, the, the the quote is like it's coming again the jungle is coming when the whispering starts it's death I tell you death and then you know he dies <laughs> so that's <laughs> that's just uh, that's how the story rolls you know um, I I do like that each episode is kind of its own separate little adventure um you know it, it kind of gives it a, a good variety to it and uh you know we get to explore a lot of different uh 
terrains and see how how the uh, the doctor and um, his companions act in these different areas and you know how they get out of it and stuff. So then Ian and Barbara end up, you know, they've got the right key. Um, they've held on to the fake key and they're moving forward to the next location, which um, is um, a snowy wilderness. Um, that episode, the fourth episode, is called The Snows of Terror. And, uh, you know, they're just wearing their regular clothes. You know, Ian's wearing his Marco Polo um, outfit. And uh, Barbara's just wearing, like, a sweater and, and black slacks. And she's like, I have to sleep. Suddenly she's, like, very tired. She's like, I have to sleep. She's, like, right in the middle of the snow. And she's like, clunk. You know? And uh, so, so then... The, the next thing we know, it's into the fourth episode, and there's this very scruffy, bearded, um, big old guy standing over her, you know, wearing a big um, fur coat, and, uh, you know, he, he, he rescues both Ian and Barbara, and uh, then they're, they're in his hut, and, uh, you know, he's checking on them, and, you know, waking up. Barbara and he's like how you doing and stuff and she's like she's like did you rescue us thank you for saving us from out there and he's like he's like yeah you were you know you were out cold no pun intended and uh Ian's still unconscious and uh you know then then he wakes up and they're talking about like like this guy's name is Vazer and one of the first things Vazer tells them is that um, he broke a wolf's back with his bare hands. Like, you know, that's like a, that's an interesting little, uh, you know, conversation starter, like an icebreaker. Again, no pun intended. And, um, you know, I was like, hey, guess what? You know what I did? You know what I did? You know what I did? I, <laughs> I killed a wolf with my bare hands. But there are lots of wolves outside. And they're, uh, you know, they're all... Uh, attacking people and stuff and Ian and Barbara find out that uh, there was this other stranger who was there uh, who was looking for these two girls so that you know we we surmise that that's Altos looking for Susan and Sabitha and uh, you know he says he just kind of left Altos <laughs> almost like eh. that's kind of the first first key that uh, there, there might be a little something uh, awry with this guy so Ian's like, I'm gonna go look for Altos. So I guess he just assumes that that, that uh, Barbara's gonna be just fine with Vazer. You know, it's no, it's fine. This guy saved him, so why would he want to hurt her at this point? You know, and like the second Ian leaves the the hut, um, Vazer um, gets all rapey and stuff and starts. Um, ranting at her and say, you know, just like, you can't get away. You're mine now. We're not going to, you know, um, he's not coming back. I, you know, he locks the door and it's, it's a very, um, you know, it's a very creepy moment. And, you know, Barbara's trying to get away from this guy. and He's uh, just chasing her and following her around and stuff. And, and uh, you know, eventually, um, you know, Ian does find Altos and you know altos uh, mentions that uh, that the 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 hunter was the guy that just left him for dead basically and he's like wait wait no he's the one that saved us <laughs> and he's like oh shit barbara's back there alone with him you know and altos is like 
like, we gotta get back there as soon as we can. Ian's like, what, you, you, oh, you think? You think we should? Yeah, let's go ahead and go, uh, go, go do that, you know? And then they find the girls, they find, you know, Susan and Sabitha, and end up back, um, at the hut, basically just in time to save Barbara from, you know, yeah. And, uh, apparently, Vazer cannot handle being outnumbered because all of a sudden he turns into this like gibbering pathetic wretch and he's like he's like no you can't hurt you know and they're like they're like you know you're you're going out with us to find you know to find the the key and whatever and um you know it's like we don't really care what happens to you but you're coming with us (laughs) so they head on out and uh you know there there's a a large chasm that they that with like a you know kind of a flimsy uh um bridge over it and uh so the rest of them get over to the other side and um altos then you know cuts the uh the bridge down from his side so that they're stuck on the other side and they're like like oh my god you know you know you know it's like oh my god and then you know, they they go on and they're able to uh, locate um, this other key, so that works out. But then, you know, they're they're heading back to the hut, and I'm sure I've forgotten something. Hang on. Okay, yeah. So they end up back in the hut at the hut, and uh, the Vord are trying to get in. All of a sudden, they're trying to they're trying to get in, and Vazer is uh, standing on the you know right at the inside of the door, and as they're the Vord are getting in, they end up killing. Vazer and then everybody else uses their their uh, travel dials to uh, you know to escape and that's in that episode and it's hard to it's hard to imagine the doctor in either one of those episodes the part three or the part four with the jungle and then the snowy wilderness um, because it becomes more more action packed not everything makes a lot of sense but. Um, it's, you know, it's gripping in spots. I mean, it's kind of shocking to see, um, you know, that Vazer's trying to sexually harass, uh, Barbara and all this stuff, but really, Susan might as well have gone ahead with the doctor, because for all the, the good that she does in these two episodes, there's not a whole lot that she, that she really does. So, you know, then we get to this, this setting um, where Ian immediately finds where the micro key is, and it's, uh, you know what, and I completely forgot about something in, in, uh, part three, there are these, like, um, ice soldiers, no, it's, it is part four, um, there are these, like, ice soldiers in this one building that's, like, a, kind of a, looks kind of like a museum, and, uh, that's when, when uh, Vazer is like, no, no, we can't, no, please don't, don't. He's like, there, there are demons in there. Like, for some reason, he calls the ice soldiers uh, demons. And they um, are supposed to be completely motionless, but you can, t- you know, you can tell the actors are, are moving a little bit and, you know, in trying not to move. So there was that bit. Um, it looks visually interesting, but there's, again, there's not a whole lot of point to it. But... Ian ends up in the spot where the the micro key is right away, but uh, then he's he's knocked out by somebody, and then, um, you know, he ends up in this whole the the rest of the story is basically like a Law and Order episode, <laughs> just like it becomes this courtroom drama, and I'm actually kind of 
just gonna summarize it briefly here um, I'm not gonna go into great detail but uh, you know Ian you know the, this this guy gets killed and then Ian is framed for the murder and um, this is the city of uh, Millennius um, where apparently Millennials come from but um, they uh, they have a whole backwards justice system from what we're used to whereby you're guilty until proven innocent like you have to prove your your innocence which i would think if i was living in that justice system i would be just constantly writing things down just all the time <laughs> just to have and like you know taking taking pictures of what i'm doing like just constantly well doing a lot of recordings and uh you know because like you never know when you're gonna have to prove that you didn't commit some crime you know <laughs> so you gotta have the burden of proof is on the defense not on the prosecution so um that's what's going on in that little area so you know so ian's locked up and he's you know he's the defendant of uh, this guy and um, they're like, do you have somebody that can, can, um, be your attorney? He's like, yeah, I think I might know somebody. Uh, there's a, this, uh, old doctor guy that I, <laughs> traveling with. Let me see if I can find him. So then, um, you know, in this, in this part five, like, um, the doctor makes a, a triumphant, um, entrance and, uh, you know, it's really great to see him. Like you've never been so happy to see William Hardnell in your life and he you know he's like i'm solving the case you know he's like i'm gonna do this i'm gonna solve the case i'm gonna you know my dear boy i'm gonna <laughs> i'm going to um you know prove that you didn't do this horrible crime and then later another crime uh takes place um where this other guy named aiden uh gets killed and um it, you know and we get we get this whole sequence where he's like you know they made me do it and like there's there's some kind of thing where you get the idea that he's in cahoots and you think ian's gonna get you know um be let go but then they're like like um aiden's wife um uh kala is like uh yeah uh my husband was in cahoots with ian chesterton <laughs> so that brings ian right back into the he's like ah oh, shit here we go again here we go again and uh kala's got like this like there's a long moment right after her husband dies where she's just sitting there and then all of a sudden she like reacts and starts crying over his body and stuff and um again i put that more on the director i think that uh maybe they you know maybe the director just accidentally left a few extra seconds in the episode where she's just sitting there doing nothing and uh you know he should have just cut it cut into it at the moment when she's starting to grieve but end of part five uh barbara gets this call from susan um on this telephone type thing and she's like uh you know she's like you gotta find me help help they're gonna kill me they're gonna kill me click you know um end of episode um that one was called sentence of death and uh you know so ian's gonna be sentenced for execution because they think that he committed uh this other murder and uh he has to you know he's got one zenith to uh you know before his execution and 
they won't bother to tell him what a zenith is and this this guy who's uh acting you know for the court you know ian asks him like you know is there any way out of this and he just shakes his head with this like smirk on his face it's just like so cold you know but uh but we soon find out that kala is the one that has susan captured and um you know we find that out first you know we we see that susan's tied up in her in like her closet or something and then barbara figures it out because kala when they when they went to see kala kala to talk to her about this whole thing you know she said oh you heard so and so from susan and barbara's like wait a second i didn't tell i didn't tell her shit about susan but uh but she it's interesting that she knows that so um, this leads to going back in front of the tribunal, who are apparently played by ZZ Top. <laughs> There's just like three uh, old bearded dudes, and um, you know they're all pretty much indistinguishable from one another. Like you can't really <laughs> you can't really tell them apart from each other. But uh, you know, and then uh, um, it ends up to where the doctor is, a, you know, is able to prove with what Barbara says um, that. Um, Ian is not the killer. Thank God. <laughs> you know, and I think this is kind of from this might be from like the you know, the planet being run by this computer like, you know, I could see it being like maybe an AI thing or something that, uh, you know, the computer decided it was easier to just assume that everyone's guilty. Um, you know, because then well, you know, we've, we've taken out someone who uh, might be a murderer would be better than, um, you know, proving uh, an innocent person's innocence. <laughs> so it's all kind of screwed up. But I kind of, I kind of attribute it to to that a little bit, even though it's not outright stated in the story. So, you know, so then we we've got the whole like uh, at the end, um, they go to the last location, which is uh, back back at Arbitan's house and find out that Arbitan um, has been killed, and they're like, oh, shit, Sabitha, um, so here's something. And she doesn't seem too sad about it. She's like, oh, that's too bad. <laughs> you know, it's like, holy God, you know, sometimes when people grieve on this show, they really grieve, but then they really don't grieve. They're really just like, it's whatever. It's whatever, you know. And at this point, Altos and... Sabitha are pretty much revealed to be like a couple, you know, you know, they don't actually outright state it, but they, you know, there seems to be a permanent, uh, link between them. So, you know, I'm pretty sure that they end up as, as a couple and, uh, which is kind of nice to see. And, uh, so <laughs> Yartek the Vord, um, who again is still in, you know, this weird wetsuit thing. You never really see what a Vord actually looks like. It's just in the suit, so it's we know it's vaguely humanoid, but we don't know for sure. But he poses as Arbitan to try to fool them into thinking that he's Arbitan, but he's not looking at them. He's looking away, and the hood's over his face, and he's, you know, the way he's talking is kind of weird. They're like, well, that's a little odd, you know. Um, you know, so then they trick him by when they put the micro keys back in, they Ian gives him the fake one instead of you know one of the real ones and so and then they find out oh hey you know what um if you put the fake key into the 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 conscience machine it's gonna blow up so they gotta get the hell out of there quick before 
you know, where the, the conscience blows up and presumably um, frees the planet from its influence. Uh, we don't really find out. Um, and then there's a bit at the end, you know, you find out that, that uh, you know, Barbara in particular has gotten attached to uh, Altos and Sabitha for some reason. Um, and the doctor's like, hey, Sabitha, get over here. And he basically just gives her the speech, like, you know, out of, like, I don't know why Altos isn't included in the speech, but, like, he just basically gives her the speech that, you know, stating that she, that, that, that man should not be controlled by machines and, uh, you know, so you gotta look out and, well, see ya. <laughs> that's, and that's about it. Then, you know, everybody says goodbye and, uh, then they, they, they take off in the TARDIS and, uh, the, you know, Altos and Sabitha stay behind, and that's pretty much it. That's basically the whole story right there. So, I mean, I don't know how well it all matches up together, you know, as, a, as great. It's not really greater than the sum of its parts. Um, it is really interesting to go to the different locations, and, you know, every episode is something new, and um, that's kind of nice, but some of it, it feels like it really could have been a four-parter pretty easily. Um, you know, kind of, it's just kind of spaced out to a, a six-parter, but, you know, that's, that's what they commissioned Terry Nation to write, and so that's, that's what he wrote, and, uh, you know, it's a, it's a decent story, um, it, it, you know, it's, it's, it's worth checking out, and, uh, you know the variety in it makes make it so it never really gets dull. Like it's it's always interesting in in some way, um, but uh, the the motivations a lot of the motivations could have made been made a lot more clear. Um, you know because a lot of it really doesn't make sense, especially um, stuff that uh, Arbitan was uh, was doing and why you know why he's not able to leave the island and you know. Most, pretty much everything involving Arbitan makes no sense at all. But, uh, you know, it, it, it is fun to see the travelers go to these different locations and try to figure out what in the hell's going on. And so I just think some of that could have been ironed out better. But I'm, I'm willing to give this uh, a, a better score than I did on my previous marathon. My previous one, I gave it a 5 out of 10. And uh, I think it's just that I was kind of frustrated by by some of these aspects and I'm not as frustrated this time so I'm uh I'm happy with giving it a 6 a 6 out of 10 um for Keys of Marinus and uh I you know I would recommend it as 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 a, a story maybe not your first Hartnell story to watch but um you know it's it's a decent one for uh for the various characters and um you know there's not a lot of character development but that's kind of not the point for this one it's more just i mean because we had a ton of character development in the last story uh marco polo and we're going to get a good share of character development in the next story which is the aztecs which is one of my all-time favorite stories i'm just going to straight out tell you that <laughs> aztecs is one of my favorite stories of, of doctor who um but uh, uh, you know, it's just it's just kind of interesting to go. This it's it feels like a what if, like you know, um, what if the Doctor and his companions had to 
um, go on this quest for some weird guy in a Halloween costume. Um, what what if you know the justice system was like guilty until proven innocent? Um, what what if Barbara almost got sexually assaulted? I mean, it's like there's a lot of what ifs to this, and they're kind of all just uh, strung together. And they really could have been in any order. That's the other thing. They could have been in any um, order, uh, you know, sequentially. And uh, but this is just kind of how it how they're all fall together. So. Um, that's about all I have to say about uh, the keys of Marinus. I guess I didn't drive around for this whole thing. Um, I got comfy. I'm just um, sitting here in the car in a parking lot <laughs> um, near Panera. And uh, I'm like, I'll just rattle the rest of it off. So, and that's fine. So, uh, we'll, we'll go ahead and close up there. Um, and uh, I'm sure there are things I forgot to say, but this is, this is suitable. Um, next time, as I said, we'll be talking about the Aztecs, which is a, a, a four-part historical story which gets into the question of, uh, you know, uh, can you rewrite history? Or should you even try to rewrite history? Um, and, and it's something that they, that was really, I think it was pretty important for them to tackle early on in the series to get, get that question straight away right, you know right off the bat so um anyway that'll be about it uh thanks for listening um talk to you soon i'm gonna try to get through the aztecs um this week uh today's labor day here in the united states so uh, i've got the day off so maybe i'll get a chance to watch some of it today even and you know we'll do a review this week so until then uh, go forward in all your beliefs and prove to me that I am not mistaken in mine. <laughs>